Oh, that's some good stuff. I always forget, like, because I'm getting used to preaching, um, that I shouldn't be just, like, all out screaming the lyrics because uh, I have to save my voice. Um, so, yeah, thank you, guys. Um, uh, so, good morning to all of you. Uh, my name is Andy Pasek, and I uh, am the student ministries and young adult uh, ministries coordinator here. And it is my pleasure and honor to be able to be with you this morning uh, and open up the Word of God uh, to hear what he has to say to us. So I'd like to invite you all to just bow your heads and pray with me as we start. Lord Jesus, it is a good day to be in your house. Lord, it is a good day to worship you. God, right now we want to hear from you. Lord, we don't want to hear from Andy, so God, I give you my words and I ask that you would speak. Open your word to us today, Lord. In your mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. So we uh, have had the opportunity this summer to be spending some time looking at what it means to Sabbath. What it means to Sabbath well. We've looked at what it means to have a good rhythm in your life and what Sabbath, how that plays a role in that rhythm. We've taken some time to look at the you know, timeout chair and the super comfy chair and where do you sit and where do you land on that? We've looked at the idea that a good Sabbath rhythm includes three things, to worship, to rest, and to delight. Last week, Pastor Klein walked us through what it looks like when we try to keep the plates in our lives constantly spinning and we're running from one thing to the next. And how when we're doing that and we're focused on that, we fail to see what God would call us to do. So after all of that, what else could we possibly learn about the Sabbath? Well, this is the exact same thought I had when you had two great pastors deliver three excellent messages, and then they're like, Andy, you're up, we're on vacation. So, <laughs> there's a little bit of a daunting task there. But as I dove into the text, and I looked at what we're going to read today, I couldn't help but see yet another gift that we were being given having to do with the Sabbath from our Lord. So we're going to dive into this text and we're going to look at what the Word of God is telling us about Sabbathing well. Yes, I have turned the word Sabbath into a verb. Um, so our text today comes from Mark 2, 23 uh, and 28, and we are going to uh, go through little chunks of it, and I want to explain a little bit about what's going on in here. And so we start with this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some of the heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, to Jesus, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So we start with this picture of them walking through a grain field, and as they're going along, they're picking the heads of the grain. And, and I want the first important thing for you guys to know is that the disciples are doing what's allowed. It might sound like they were like, you know, stealing or robbing or doing something that they shouldn't do, but the Old Testament law actually was set up with compassion and caring for the people of Israel. It wanted to protect them. It wanted to take care of them. It said that as you walked along the side of your neighbor's grain field, that you could pick with your hands, but you must not raise a sickle or any type of instrument through which you would harvest the grain. You could only pick the grain. 
So what the disciples are doing is actually set up in the law to provide for the hungry. It's a beautiful thing about the law. This, I don't believe, is the reason why the Pharisees are mad. See, the Pharisees, I think, get a bad rap all the time. And working in a church, the Pharisees were the church leaders of that day. And so I have a little bit of a soft spot for them. See, they cared very much for what the scriptures said, and they wanted to make sure that they helped everybody understand how to live under the rules that God had set forth. They definitely get this one wrong, but I don't think that it makes them terrible people. See, the Pharisees are mad because they saw what the disciples were doing was in direct violation of the Sabbath law. They would actually have seen four violations of the Sabbath law. See, the disciples were guilty of reaping by picking the grain. They were guilty of sifting by removing the husks and the shell. They were guilty of winnowing by throwing the chaff in the air. And they were guilty of preparing a meal by eating the grain after they had cleaned it. And this is a big problem for the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees lived in a very legalistic system, and within this system, this type of activity is just not acceptable. They can't wrap their minds around why you would be doing this, especially this teacher, Jesus, why would you let your disciples do this? And then you have this beautiful spot where Jesus steps in. And in verse 25, Jesus says this. He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abimathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some of that to his companions. So I love this. So I love getting into like, all right, Jesus responds back. And he responds back in this great way. He goes, have you, have you never read? Right? He's got this rhetorical question. Of course he knows that they've read it. They're experts in the law. This is what they do. But he's like, have you never read this? Come on. This is old news. You know what's going on here. Of course they have read. They're the experts in the law. This is their job. But in doing this and in telling this story, Jesus is reminding them of the story of David. And he is showing them that they don't quite understand what they're trying to accomplish. So the story of David is this, when Saul was trying to kill him, uh, kill David, David enters the tabernacle and asks the priest for help. David and his men are running for their lives and they need supplies. They had nothing to eat and they needed something to help them survive. Well, in the temple, not the temple, the tabernacle, in the tabernacle, there would have been 12 ceremonial loaves of bread that would be replaced each and every week. And when the new bread was set down, the old bread was taken, and that old bread was just for the priests to eat. No one else was allowed to eat it. But David and his companions eat it in a time of need. Jesus is reminding the Pharisees about this because the Pharisees would have also known this, that David is called a man after God's own heart. See, him and his companions eat it, and all is well. Even though they break the ceremonial law and defy the tabernacle, they are not rebuked for this. They're not in trouble for this. Instead, it's said that David was a man after God's own heart. See, Jesus is reminding the Pharisees of this, that what David did was way worse than what his disciples are doing. But Jesus is communicating this truth, 
that God seeks compassion over ceremony. What's interesting is that the Sabbath commandment is the only ceremonial commandment. The other nine are all moral commandments. And Jesus desires to show us through this continual breaking of the Sabbath law that what God desires above all else is that we have compassion for those around us and that we love him above all else. That we love the people around us above all else. And the truth and the reality is is that if we follow that rule of loving him and loving one another, we don't have to worry about breaking the other nine moral commandments. But living in this sort of a way sometimes requires us to have some latitude with the way that we observe the Sabbath. I want to jump back into the text here and look at this amazing uh, ending to this. Then he, Jesus, said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now here's just the kicker at the end. The awesomeness. Jesus says that the reality is, is that the legalistic system that the Pharisees are living in is not the way that God intended the gift of the Sabbath to be. People are not supposed to follow a bunch of rules in order to try to keep the Sabbath holy, but instead we keep the Sabbath holy by enjoying the gift that God has given us. We keep it holy by accepting that gift that he has given us. Sabbath was created for us to enjoy God, to worship him, to rest in him, and to delight in him and his creation. Jesus then looks at the Pharisees and tells them straight to their face this beautiful thing, that he is the Messiah. He looks at him and he says, I am the Messiah, that he is the Lord. He calls himself the Son of Man. And he knew because they were experts in the law and they did all of this studying constantly, he knew that this reference that he was doing would help them to remember what Daniel had said when he uses the word son of man to refer to the Messiah. He tells them that what they are doing is backwards, and then he says that he has the authority to say this. And this is the whole point of this text. For us to see that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and desires for us to enjoy the gift that he has given us. But here's where the reality of our lives steps in. The reality of our lives and the relationship that we have with Sabbath rest, we're not really good at it. I will admit I'm terrible at it. I'm constantly running around to and fro trying to do things. The problem is, is that we're so anxious. We're such an anxious society. Much like the Pharisees were anxious about the rules that everyone should be following, we too are anxious about all the things that we need to get done. We are anxious about everything because we're trying to run to and fro. Pastor Klein pointed this out last week that we are constantly running and constantly trying to spin plates. And as we do that, it creates an anxiety inside of us that we don't know how to rest. Because if we rest, we won't be able to get stuff done. And getting stuff done is the most important thing, right? The busier you are, the more gold stars you get at the end of the day. And the reality is, is that most of us are so bad at resting that we just want somebody to tell us what we need to do in order to rest so we can be like, resting, check mark. See, this is 
very much the truth when we think about what it is to have a day of rest. We don't rest well. But for some of us, there's a flip side to that also. See, for some of us, the idea of having a rest is like, oh, cool, I get a day to do whatever I want because it's all about me. And I could choose to do anything I want, and it doesn't matter because it's all about me. Thanks for the day off. This is going to be great. Or maybe there's some people that have never even really considered the idea of what it would look like to have a Sabbath as a part of their lives. See, the reality is, is each of these three perspectives of the Sabbath are off kilter. They're not, they're not right. Because the reality is, is that humankind was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for humankind. For us to rest from our anxious lives and delight in God. I want to show you two pictures. And I think these two pictures are really quite amazing because I, I really think that these two pictures give us a look at what our hearts look like when we Sabbath well and when we Sabbath terribly. See, this picture here uh, is actually a picture of my backyard. Um, my father was one in this photo. He turned 60 on August 8th, so this is 59 years ago. I bought my house from my grandparents, and you can tell by this photo that my grandmother loved to garden. You can see the beauty of the garden and her roses and all those bushes that are taken care of and look well. But then we have this photo here, which is taken from the exact same spot. Those bushes look a little bit different now. That building in the back you can't see. In fact, my neighbors who have a two-story house didn't know it existed until I cut these things down. They're like, you got a shed back there? <laughs> see, the reality is, is my grandmother got older and could no longer take care of her garden, and so it got neglected. It's not wrong what she did. She got older, and that's what happens. But I wanted to show you what happens when something is neglected. She wasn't able to take care of it any longer because she couldn't. See, we can see the chaos that's going on in this garden. And I think this is a great picture of what our lives look like when we don't take the time to slow down and rest as we delight in God's creation. This is a picture of our hearts. One is a picture of what our hearts should look like when we Sabbath well, the beauty coming forth. That picture looks relaxing, right? You want to hang out there. Do you want to come over and have a barbecue at my house? By the way, it doesn't look like that anymore. <laughs> um, but the picture is what it would be to delight in God's beautiful creation. The other is what our hearts look like when we neglect Sabbath. This is the neglected garden. Our hearts become a jungle. And this is not what we want. What we want and what we should desire is to see God at work in our lives and to experience the amazing gift of the Sabbath that he has given to his children. So as I was working through this sermon, it only seemed appropriate that I would bring in something because I am one of those people that likes the check boxes, all right? I love lists. You'd never think that. You'd think that I just run around and randomly do things. I love lists. They're great. I got like four different apps for lists. I shouldn't talk about lists anymore. <laughs> but the reality is, is that I, I wanted to bring something tangible in 
One of Jesus' commandments and teaching that would help us to understand this rhythm of worship, rest, and delight. See, at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us this command. I'm going to show you this verse from Luke 12. It says at the beginning, or Luke 12, 22, it says this, Do not be anxious for anything. There doesn't seem to be a lot of room in that for discussion. Do not be anxious for anything. And a little later on in the passage, in verse 27, it says this, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. See, I believe that that's an invitation to living a Sabbath life. To stop, to rest, and to admire God's creation. For so many of us, we think that resting is just, like I said, you're going to kick back, feet up on the couch, grab out your phone, start scrolling social media. You're kicking back, right? So that's restful. But the reality is, is this only builds more anxiousness into our lives as we compare ourselves to those around us. As we envy the lives that they have and try to figure out how we can get them for ourselves. Or for a lot of us, we go the complete opposite and like we've said so many times, try to follow a whole bunch of rules to make sure that we're holding the Sabbath holy. And in doing this, we become just as legalistic, legalistic as the Pharisees. But I believe that the Sabbath is so much more than just sitting around or following a bunch of rules. Sabbath is a gift from God our Father to his children to make sure that we have the time and the space to enjoy and delight in him. God invites us to delight in the Lord of the Sabbath by enjoying his creation. If you think about it, right, the very beginning of the Bible, in, in Genesis 1, when God is creating the world, he creates the world in six days, and on the sixth day, he creates mankind, right? Adam. And the very next thing that happens is there's a Sabbath. There's a day of rest. Humanity started by resting and enjoying God's creation. What I believe we need to learn from what Jesus has said is that we need to slow down and we need to enjoy God's creation. And the funny thing is, if you think about this, and I believe that this is why it's in the Bible that we're supposed to have childlike faith, is that little kids get this. I mean, have you ever gone on a walk with a little kid? All right? Brianna and Eli, my two kids, we would go on walks together, right? And they would stop. They'd have to look at a flower from six different angles, right? If there was an anthill, 45 minutes of your day is gone, all right? You're hanging out, you're checking out that anthill. Any little bug, any little flower. And I'll be honest, as an adult, again, I've admitted I love the checkbox. I had made the walk into a task. This is something we need to accomplish, all right? So we're going for a walk. Let's go for a walk. We're going to do the walking. If we were going to go do the standing, we'd go do the standing. But we were going to go for a walk. And my two little kids made me slow down and stop. And I have vivid pictures in my head of some of the awesome conversations we had about some of the different things that we found and what do you think this bug is doing and where do you think that thing is going? They made me rest from the task that I had made our walk into and gave me the ability to delight in the wildflowers. 
Now, I do have to say, as I'm, I'm telling you this, I don't want you to hear that this is just a sermon about get outside more and go look at stuff, and that way you're going to be holy. No, because I realize that there are people that can't get out into the creation. I realize that on live stream that there may be somebody that's sitting in a hospital bed or that there's somebody over at our uh, senior citizens' um, housing over here that might not be able to get down and outside all the time or maybe who knows what it is and you can't get out there. But I want to tell you about this, that when you consider the wildflowers, it's asking us to consider God's creation. And when I look at you and at me, I see God's creation. When I stretch out my hands and I wiggle my fingers, I go, this is amazing. God has created me so unbelievable. I look at the way that I have a unique fingerprint and God has put that on me. And I can consider the wildflowers while I consider the people around me and the creation that God has given to each and every one of us. You and I are a part of that creation. And the Lord of the Sabbath invites us to delight in his creation. Not to worry about keeping all the rules straight and perfect. To not sit around and just do nothing, but to know that we were made, that we were not made for the Sabbath, but that the Sabbath was made as a gift for us. For us to slow down and consider the wildflowers. To delight in God's creation. To delight in one another. To worship him as we admire the gift of the beauty that surrounds us. That we will surely miss if we don't slow down. I was saying earlier before this that I wonder how many people have noticed that if you walk out our office doors, there's a single rose bush growing amongst all the underbrush. Go and check it out. There's just this little beauty there. It's a pink rose bush right now. And if we don't slow down, we'll surely miss the beauty that God has created for us to enjoy. I want to end with this and identifying that the reality is, is this is really hard to do in a world that is go, go, go. The Pharisees didn't get it, and Jesus was telling them this himself. This is really not easy to do in a restless and an anxious world. But we are invited to live differently than our world. And we are invited to live into a life that allows for rest and delight in God's creation. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, God, we're not good at resting and we understand that. God, we need you to help us to learn to slow down, to rest, and to delight in you. God, we want to thank you so much, Lord, that we don't have to keep the Sabbath holy, but instead, it's a gift that you've given to us so that we might delight in your holiness that we might delight in you. God, give us the strength and the courage to set aside our anxiousness and to just enjoy you. In your mighty and your precious name we pray. Amen.